Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. I'm privileged to have my dad with me today, all the way from the great state of Texas. All the way from Texas. Amen. The country. Yep. Dragged the nasty weather with him, but that's all right. We'll forgive him. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16. Let's start with uh, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. We're just going to kind of go line upon line as we have been with this and just kind of jump around. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, uh, again, we saw last week that Jesus is not just speaking to the 12 disciples in this picture. He's not just speaking to the apostles. He's not just speaking to, uh, you know, the ones that got to hang out with him. But after, uh, you know, those people die off, then, you know, we don't have what these people have. He's speaking to all believers. Amen. How many of you believe that we all have the great commission, we all have the great mandate to go out and make disciples of every creature, right? We all have that, okay? So there's no debate there, and then we go, we go on to verse 16. He says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. He's talking about believers here, amen? He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So now we get down to the signs and the wonders, and this is where we start trying to divide up and start trying to pick and choose who's going to do these things. Because we have no problem you know, believing that we all have the mandate to go out and win the lost. And by the way, he does not say here that we're making converts. We're not, we're not counting how many people say the Lord's Prayer, right? He says a very specific word, make disciples. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower, a student, a pupil. It's one that not just hears something, but it's one that does something, Okay? And so we're not just in the business of making converts. We're not just in the business of soul winning and just going out and preaching and just, you know, getting a bunch of people to come to an altar and confess Jesus as their Lord. And then nothing's changed. Nothing's different about them. God is looking for people. Jesus is sending us out to teach people how to follow him and do what he did. That's what a disciple is. You're not, much, very, not a very good student, not a very good disciple if you don't ever learn to do it. See, when I was in class, when I was growing up in school, uh, my teacher didn't just teach us, and then I never had an opportunity to apply any of it. It didn't matter what class I was in, I had to apply it in in some form. It might have been a pop quiz, might have been homework, might have been a test, right? And some tests were easier than others for me. Some classes were easier than I have my dad with me today, and he's already laughing because he knows what I'm going to say. He knows that he had to do a lot of my math homework for me, had to give me a lot of help there, needed some assistance there. Today he still jokes with me about math and 
can you do it? And because this guy, I mean, he was taking classes when I was taking classes in high school. He just loves it. And so, but I had opportunities to apply it. When I was sitting in a math class, there was an opportunity where uh, the teacher would say, all right, uh, you, 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 why, why don't y'all come up here and do these problems on the board? Or let's do this in class. Why? They're wanting you to apply what you've learned. Okay? And so he's here demonstrating to us that we're to make converts. Or, or we're, we're here to make disciples, not just converts. We're not just tallying up how many salvations we had or, or even how many water baptisms we've had. We're tallying up those that are in our churches, those that are in the sound of our voice that are now changing their life as a result of what's being done on the inside. When I was a kid growing up in church, we used to sing this song that says, uh, something on the inside, working on the outside. Anybody remember that song with me? Okay, got a few of you. Why? Because what's on the inside is supposed to change, be reflected in my life on the outside. I should be different. I shouldn't just uh, you know, be someone that just says, yeah, I prayed that prayer one day or I go to church, but they're looking for application. It's funny that even the world is looking for that. Even the world knows uh, that, you know, uh, there's a certain way that you talk around a Christian. There's a certain, there are certain things you just don't do. And if they see you doing it, they'll even call you on the floor. But yet in our own circles, we're the ones trying to, you know, push the limits and trying to redefine the lines and say, well, you know, it's okay to do this. It's okay. Even the world looks at us and says, ah, I don't think you're supposed to be doing that. Okay? So we start there, and then he's going on down, and he says that these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That's every believer. Every believer has the ability to cast out demons. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you have to go find demon-possessed people? That means that you have power over evil. Amen. You have power over another world. And if you don't think that there is evil spirits and evil uh, powers in the world, you got another thing coming. Because there are. I'm not saying that to scare you, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter who's out there. It doesn't matter what spirit is behind it. We have the power and the authority over it. I mean, if you go over to Matthew's account of this, Jesus says, all power, all authority has been given to me. That means the devil has no authority. He has no authority. That means the second you put a stop to it, it has to stop. The second you stand up in your authority and the second you stand up in your power, it has to decease. There, 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 there's, there, there's no power that the enemy has that is stronger than the power of God. So he says, in my name you will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, and that's the one that we're focusing on. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Again, we looked at that, that take up, those, those two words take up, means to cast off. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to be going around handling snakes. This is not a snake handling church. I don't have a trap door underneath the stage, stage where we just start pulling out snakes and playing with them, and, and, and that's not what we're doing. What's he saying? The snakes and the poison are a symbol of evil and evil power. I mean, look what Jesus is, is, is focusing on here. These are the signs of a believer. The signs of a believer is not one that just says, well, I just can't wait to get to heaven. 
The sign of the believer is, look at how many people are in my church. See, we, we've redefined success as a believer. And we've got to get back to what Jesus is showing as a successful believer. This is what Jesus is identifying. that This is what will mark you. This is what will mark you as a follower of me, a disciple of me. If they drink any, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will. Not maybe, not might, not if it's the Lord's will. They will recover. Sickness is not greater than you. You have healing. You have uh, uh, you are a co-heir with Jesus, and he went to the cross and took care of all that. He didn't just take care of your spiritual healing. He took care of your natural healing. Isaiah chapter 53 tells me that the stripes on his back were for my sicknesses, for my infirmities. He's paid for it, guys. The price has been paid. It's just a matter of are we partaking of it? Are we accessing it? But again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And what we're wanting to focus on, uh, we got started with it last week and I didn't get to finish, so we're going to stay in it today, is speaking in tongues. The, the evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit with an unknown language. So I just want to walk back through some verses that we looked at in Acts chapter 2. You just saw there that Jesus said they will speak with new tongues, right? You all saw that. It's in the Bible. I didn't put it there. Acts chapter 2. We're talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, I, and there's no way I can go back. We've, we, we're now in, I believe, our eighth week in talking on the Holy Spirit. We first identified him as a person. The, the title of this series is Third Person because he is a person. He's the person. He's not just a power. He's not just a presence or a feeling. He is a person. There is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And we've made this statement several times. We know a lot about God. We know a lot about Jesus. And both of them are in heaven. But I don't know about you, but it doesn't look like heaven down here, right? Can't confuse this with heaven. We're on the earth. So what am I supposed to do about being in the earth? God is in heaven. Well, God is everywhere. He sure is. He sure is everywhere. In the form of his Holy Spirit. And Jesus tells us in John chapter uh, uh, 16, he says, it's to your benefit. It's to your advantage that I go to the Father. So he knew. He knew he was leaving us here in the earth and he was going to heaven with his Father. And God's in heaven. Jesus is in, uh, Jesus is in heaven. And we know a lot about them. And then the one person that Jesus said, but I'm leaving you my Holy Spirit. I will pray the Father. He will send you my Holy Spirit, and he will abide with you or dwell with you forever. And that word abide and that word dwell mean to be in fellowship with, tight relationship with. And he's not just saying he'll be there, uh, you know, if you need him. Uh, he'll be there if you get in trouble. He says you'll be in connection with him. You'll have a, a tight relationship with him is, is the word that Jesus used there. If you actually go back and translate it in the Greek, he's talking about a connection. And, and, and most believers don't have that connection 
with the Holy Spirit. So then when we start seeing the power and the signs and the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we just think that that's the Holy Spirit because we haven't taken the time to get to know the person. And the power is a result of the person. I will see the power of the Holy Spirit in demonstration in my life as a result of knowing the person. And I've come to know this, that people that spend time getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit don't have a problem with the move of the Holy Spirit. They just don't. And I'm not here to knock denominations. I'm not here to, to, to not, you know, I'm, I'm tired of all that. That's just, that's all man-made stuff that just separates everything. I know some of it was done with good intention, but it's, it's a bunch of silliness. I just wanted to believe the Bible. You know, you, you know we, we, we call ourselves, I mean, if you go to our website and, and you, you look, up, look us up on Google, it's probably going to say that we are a non-denominational church. And what does that mean? That simply means that we don't give ourselves to a specific denomination. Usually when people think of denomination, they think of how the church is run, not just doctrinally what they believe, but how they run. And so when I say we're a non-denominational church, what I mean is I am sovereign in the church. I don't have a board and I don't have, we're not run by a committee or by members. Jesus, uh, John three sixteen doesn't say for God so loved the world that he set a board. For God so loved the world that he set a committee. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus. Okay. And so we put that on there. But even nowadays, when you say you're a non-denominational church, people already have I've had people come to me and say, you know, why doesn't your website have more information about, you know, what y'all believe? And, you know, these are your belief systems. These are your doctrines. Because people read that stuff and they, they try to picture who you are or they already have a past experience with the church that believes like that and they won't come and visit. You can't know Anchor Faith Church from a website. You learn about Anchor Faith Church from attending Anchor Faith Church and getting to know the people, getting to know the pastor, getting to know what we preach and what we believe right here. In service, we have a saying down in Anchor Faith Church that uh, you have to come back at least five times because you can't experience us in one service. You can't bottle it. You can't come here one time and say, oh, I know what they're all about. No, you don't. You sure don't. You really can't even figure it out in five services. I've been to a million services in St. Augustine, and they can all be different. <laughs> they can all be different. Not different in that they contradict, but that the Holy Spirit will move in different ways. Now, in, in my background, Pentecostal and, and, and Word of Faith, we fell over in a ditch. You know, God wants us in the middle of the road. He wants us balanced. But we fell over in a ditch that if, if somebody wasn't running around the room or, uh, you know, someone didn't give a tongue and interpretation or, uh, you know, we, we didn't go for five hours that day, that the Holy Spirit didn't move. We got in that ditch. We felt disappointed. We felt like I didn't get what I came for today. And we didn't realize that even in the teaching of the word, the Holy Spirit is moving. Because there's no separation between the Holy Spirit and his word. In fact, Jesus tells us in John chapter 16 that he will say what the Father says. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus tells us that he will teach, he will guide, he will remind you of things that Jesus said. He will show you things to come. None of that, none of that has to do with running around a room or a tongue and interpretation or, uh, you know, having to go five hours. None of that has anything to do with that. He's talking about communication and relationship. 
He's talking about leading and guiding you as a person. Those are all personal things. It has nothing to do with power. Now, the power and the demonstration are a result of getting to know the person, and they'll take place. And so we've spent the majority of this series focusing on that right there. And if you've missed any of it, you need to go back and, and catch them because there's so many more points and so many uh, things that we have outlined about the Holy Spirit that as we continue to go forward, you'll miss because I'm starting to move into the signs and, and the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm hoping next week that we can start moving into the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine of them. We start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and I want to start talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in a church service because there's a different side. There's a personal Holy Spirit, and there's a public Holy Spirit. We got to know the difference. We can't get the two confused. But right now, I'm talking, we started last week, and we're going to continue this week in discussing the personal use of tongues in your life. That's what we're focusing on right now. And so, we just saw that Jesus promised that we will speak in new tongues. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Why? Because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, go wait. Don't wait. For what? For the promise. For the Holy Spirit. He said, John indeed baptized you with water, but there's another baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's another baptism. There's a second instance of receiving the Holy Spirit. Yes, you receive the Holy Spirit within you at the point of salvation. He comes and he lives in you to do all the guiding and the leading and to help you live right in the kingdom of God. But now he says, go and wait. Go wait for the Holy Spirit. So now they're here waiting. Verse 2, they're all in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. Again, there was no wind and there was no fire. It's as, a sound as a wind, tongues as of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They began to speak. Speaking in tongues is not just standing there and the Holy Spirit overriding you and starts talking through you. It starts moving your tongue for you and starts moving your lips for you. No, you're speaking as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance, tells you what to say. Ultimately, it's your spirit using your body to speak. That's all it is. And you have to yield to that. We talked about yielding. Yielding doesn't mean I get out of the way and let you do it. Yielding means I do it with you. You know, if you yield out on the road, if you yield properly, you're moving with the cars. You don't stop. You don't get to, it's not a stop sign, it's a yield. That means I'm merging in with you. We're becoming one. And that's what we're supposed to be doing with the Holy Spirit. We're yielding to the Holy Spirit. We don't stop and say, all right, Holy Spirit, your turn. Do your thing. Do your weird talking thing. Do your weird sign thing. And then, you know, that's where we get these people that say, man, I just couldn't help you. You know, the Holy Spirit just took, just took over. And then we turn the Holy Spirit into a demon. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't possess you like a demon. The demon wants to control you. Demons want to overpower you. Demons want to make you do stuff that you don't want to do. But the Holy Spirit doesn't. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. We've learned the Holy Spirit's sensitive. That 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 uh, if we're not careful, that we can disrupt. Now, when I say that, you know, there's things that we've even done in our churches that we think are disrupting the Holy Spirit that aren't. We'll get into that when we start talking about public moves. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit doesn't yell at you. The Holy Spirit, you know, when, when, when you're about to do something wrong, he just gently on the inside says, no, nah, I don't think we should do that. He's just leading and guiding. And we have to yield to it. And so the Holy Spirit didn't overpower them and didn't overtake them here. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, not as the Spirit made them. Okay? we got to see that. Go over to Acts chapter 10. We're just going back down some verses here. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, let's start with verse 44. I think I put 46 in there. We're going to back up to 44. While Peter was still speaking. Now see, Peter's preaching now. He's, speaking, he, he's preaching to uh, what we would call the world. They're Gentiles. They don't know about this stuff. So Peter now shows up and he's preaching to them. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. You know, I've come to learn that a lot of people's misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit just simply comes from ignorance, just from not knowing. Not necessarily rejecting. I've had multiple conversations since we started this thing two months ago with people. I've gotten more feedback on this series than I have on anything else I've ever preached here. Great feedback. I mean, you guys are seeing things. You guys are grabbing things. There's things that God is revealing to you. It's awesome. I love it. And I would highly recommend, I'm not really much of a social media guy, but I know you guys are because I see your stuff out there every now and then. I would highly recommend, let them know you're getting something. Come on, let them, you, you told them you went to the restaurant and got to hang out with your buddies and you told them how work was and, and you told them what your kids were doing. Go ahead and, and tell them what happened at church today. Can you do that? And you can even tag us or hashtag or, you know, whatever else you can do. But go ahead and let them know. I went to church today and Pastor Mark, I, I saw something in the word today about the Holy Spirit I've never seen before. You're telling me, but I already know that. I'm your pastor. Tell them. Let your friends know. Let your family know. Let your friends, uh, you know, let your non-friends. I don't know. They're friends on Facebook. They might not really be your friends. I don't know. You might not even know who they are. They might not know who you are. But go ahead and tell them anyways that I got something today at Anchor Faith Church. Can you all do that for me? All right. Good. So, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. There's teaching that's necessary. I remember talking with my parents about it, and they started going to a Pentecostal church right when, right around the time I was born. And my mom told me, she said there was a couple that would come over to the house, it, like every Tuesday night or something, would come over and just go with these scriptures. It wasn't just a one-time thing. 
wasn't just they just walked into the Pentecostal church and the Holy Spirit, oh, wow, I can speak in tongues. I, I know all about this Holy Spirit. No, there was a teaching that was necessary to gain a grasp on this. They heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. I mean, if anybody was going to be left out, if anybody was not going to receive the Holy Spirit, it would have been the Gentiles. Even Jesus said, I didn't come for the Gentiles, I came for the Jews. That was his specific assignment. There's anybody that wasn't going to get it, this is it. And they received. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Again, we see an instance of somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with tongues. And if you skip on down in Acts chapter 11, uh, Peter gives a uh, recount of this in uh, verse 15. He says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. The Holy Spirit fell upon them just like it fell upon us. Well, we already saw in Acts chapter 2 what that looked like in the beginning. They're all in one accord. They're all believing. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so he's given that recount and he he goes on. Then I remembered the word of the Lord. Guess who helped him remember that? The Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to remind you of things. And so Peter is saying here, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift, he calls it a gift. Why would you refuse a gift? A free gift. Why would you refuse a free gift that God has for you? If, 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 if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Go over to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. I've got verse 6 in there. We're going to go all the way back to verse 1. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. So Paul is in Ephesus now. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What's that? Salvation. He says, When you were saved, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, obviously, they received the Holy Spirit along with salvation. But Paul's talking about the second occurrence here, the second instance of receiving the Holy Spirit. And they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We haven't been taught this. Nobody's pointed this out to us. No one has shown this to us. That's called ignorance. It's not bad to be ignorant. It's bad to be stupid. Ignorant means you don't know. Stupid means I don't want to know. There's a difference. Ignorant just means no one's shown me this yet. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. What's that? Water. Then Paul said, 
John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Once again, we see another occurrence where the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And the evidence is speaking in new tongues, just as Jesus had promised. Uh, You know, some of the terms that we use, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues, an unknown language. We'll hear that term. Uh, A heavenly language. Heavenly meaning it's not a language from down here. There's nobody on this planet that speaks in tongues as part of their nationality or their background. And praying in the Spirit is another term you'll hear used. Praying in the Spirit. That means that I'm not praying in my own language that I know and that I understand. Tongues is a language from heaven, speaking directly to God. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First Corinthians chapter 14. Just kind of relaying some stuff, and today I want to show you some of the benefits of praying in tongues. Because, you know, I get asked that question. Well, why do I need to pray in tongues? Why do, why do I need it? Well, number one, Jesus thought it was important, apparently. I mean, we could stop right there. If Jesus said we needed it, then apparently we needed it. Apparently it was that important that Jesus told his disciples, go and wait. For the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they spoke in tongues. And Jesus even pointed out himself. As a sign of being a new believer, you will speak in new tongues. Okay? So Jesus obviously thought it was important. But today I want to go over some benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues specifically. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And I like that Paul did this because he's identifying to us. Neither of these things come naturally. You have to go after it. I mean, we just saw in Acts chapter 19 that there was no desire until they heard about it. In Acts chapter 10, there was no desire until they heard about it. And it built within them a desire for receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so Paul says here, pursue love. You've got you to gotta go after love because love doesn't come after you. you. You're not just, you come into the kingdom and then you're automatically instilled with this desire to just love everybody. I don't care what they do to me. I just, man, I, I'm, in, I'm a Christian now. I just love people. No, you have to, the Bible tells us to put on love. And the Bible tells us that love uh, has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. He tells us that over in Romans. So we have to pursue love and we have to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why is he saying that? Because in the Corinthian church, there was a misuse. And what Paul was trying to do is he's trying to maintain integrity in the use of the Holy Spirit, in the use of spiritual gifts. He wanted to maintain integrity here. We talked about, you know, over time, 
things can lose their integrity. And so you have to go in and you have to gently lay things out again. You have to take things back to their original intention. You have to discover why it was originally given. Why are we using this? And so he takes this chapter to identify that we have to go after spiritual gifts, and this is how we use it properly. But especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So the second reason why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I gave you one because Jesus thought it was important. Number two, because this is how we speak directly to God. That does not mean that God doesn't understand you when you speak in English. But praying in tongues is a heavenly language. We are speaking directly to God. There is nobody else that's in the conversation. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to have a conversation just one-on-one with somebody. You know, there's, there's conversations like, you know, for example, for our, with our leadership team. And, and, and we have, uh, you know, meetings where I'm commuting, communicating with them and they can communicate back to me in these meetings. But then there's times where I just need to have one-on-one meetings. I just need to take one of them and say, hey, let's, let's go talk. We need to, let's have a meeting about this. Every now and then you need a one-on-one conversation. And when we are praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, we are talking directly to God. Nobody else is in the conversation. He says right here, we don't speak to men, but we speak to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Mysteries. Why is it a mystery? Because you don't know it, right? It's a mystery when you don't know it. It's a mystery when you can't find it. It's a mystery when you don't have the understanding. But it's only a mystery to you. It's not a mystery to God. God's not sitting up in heaven going, what in the world are they talking about? What are they saying? No, you're having conversation. You're communicating with God the Father. And he knows exactly what you're saying, although it's a mystery to you. That doesn't mean it's ineffective. In fact, you'll find many times that you praying in the Spirit is more effective than you praying in English. Because now you're praying for things that you don't know about. I mean, it's one thing to pray for things that you know about. It's one thing to pray, it's one thing to pray for uh, instances where you know the problem or what's going on. But then it's another thing to pray for something when you don't know about it, but the Holy Spirit within you does, and he can pray out that thing through you. Okay, so we're seeing some of these benefits here. Let's keep on going. Verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Now he's talking about when a prophecy is given or when a tongue and interpretation is given. Uh, A tongue and interpretation equals a prophecy. It's kind of like a dime. I can have a dime or I can have two nickels. Right? Obviously it would be better just to have the dime. It's just one piece I have to carry around. But if I have two nickels, it all spends the same, right? It's 10 cents. So whether I have a tongue and an interpretation or I have a prophecy, it's all the same. There's no differentiation there. But he says it'd be better for you just to have the prophecy. Okay, so he says that when we prophesy, you're speaking edification, exhortation, 
and comfort to men. If it doesn't edify, if it doesn't build you up, if it doesn't exhort you, if it doesn't encourage you, if it doesn't comfort you, it's not of God. Pretty simple, right? Okay, we don't have to just accept something just because someone says it's a prophecy from God and they're just, you know, rebuking people and just, uh, you know, condemning people and everyone just feels terrible after they get done with their little mess. That's obviously not edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue, here we go, benefit number three, edifies himself. How many of you ever need strengthening just on the inside? The rest of you, I don't know what kind of vitamins you take or what you do, what kind of workout you're on, but let me know. Because every now and then I need some strengthening. Every now and then I need some building up. Every now and then I need some edification. And this tells me here that when I pray in tongues, when I speak in tongues, I'm edifying myself. I'm building myself up. I'm strengthening myself. I've got to be strengthened. I've got to be built up. I've, I've got to be encouraged every now and then. I, I love that verse over uh, with David. You know, we talk about how awesome David is, but there was one time everybody wanted to kill him. He took them into battle, and they lost, and they took all their wives for slaves, and everyone turned around to the leader because that's what they do. They follow the leader when you're going into good, and you take them down when you're going to bad. And so everyone turns around to David and says, stone him. It's all his fault. And he had nobody around him. He couldn't go to anybody and say, hey, can you give me an encouraging word? I'm, not, I'm just not feeling it right now. There was nobody... He couldn't go to somebody and say, hey, I, 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 lay hands on me. I, I need some prayer right now. Couldn't find anybody. And so it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. See, sometimes you just got to learn to encourage yourself. Sometimes you're all by yourself. Sometimes even your spouse is looking at you funny. And you just got to go into the bedroom. You just got to say, I'm on my own, God. I'm just going to build myself up. I'm going to encourage myself. And, and that's exactly what praying in tongues does. If you would just get alone and just take some time and just pray in the Spirit. It says here, Paul says, you'll edify yourself. Keep your finger there. Go over to Jude chapter 1. If you're on an iPad, then you don't need to keep your finger there. Just keep it in your history, I guess. I don't know. Jude chapter 1. see another verse that points us in this direction. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. Last book before we get to Revelation. They just stuck this little, it's, it's only one chapter. Just stuck it in there. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. See, when I give a tongue and there's an interpretation, it edifies everybody. But if I only give a tongue to myself, I'm building myself up in my spirit. Now, I, that doesn't mean that I know what I'm praying unless the Holy Spirit reveals that to me. But he doesn't have to, and I can still be built up. I can still be strengthened and encouraged in myself. Because I, I am a spirit on the inside. And I possess a soul and I live in a body. 
And so when I get in those situations where I need some encouragement, I need some edification, it says here, I can get alone, I can pray in the Spirit, and I can build myself up on my most holy faith. Paul says that I'm edifying myself, strengthening myself. And then over here in Jude chapter 1, we see the fourth benefit. We see the fourth benefit. You stimulate your faith. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. I stimulate my faith. There is no way to put yourself in a position of full dependence and reliance upon God than praying in a language that you don't even know what you're saying. Right? Because that's what faith is. Believing in something you can't see. And you would be amazed that if you're struggling in faith in an area, say you're believing for healing in your body, you would you'd be amazed at how much you can stimulate your faith in your life by praying in tongues because now you're putting it all in God's hands. I, now I don't even know what I'm praying for anymore. I don't, I don't have a full understanding. But God, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm believing for. You know what I'm praying. And you have the answer. He says, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So far we've seen that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Number one, because Jesus said it was important. Jesus told us to go and wait. Amen. And then we see here that it edifies us, it strengthens us, it stimulates our faith. We're encouraging ourselves. Amen. So let's keep on going. Over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, go to uh, verse 5. He says, I wish you all spoke in tongues. I don't think he would say that uh, if he didn't mean that everybody could be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And again, this is Paul writing, this is Paul speaking, but he's, he's only writing this by unction of the Holy Spirit. He's writing what God wants to say. So it's not just Paul saying, I wish you all spoke with tongues. God is saying, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Because we all believe that the Bible is inerrant. We all believe that the, the Bible is inspired by God himself, that uh, these men were moved upon by the Holy Spirit to write these things. We all believe that. And so he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. What's that mean? He's again going back to the public side. See, Paul's really addressing the public side of this thing, but in doing so, he gives us an insight to the private side, the personal side of tongues. He's showing us this picture. But even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless. Okay? When I get in conversation with people that struggle with speaking in tongues, this is one of the verses that, well, you know, Paul said that we ought to be prophesying, that it should be done in English, not in tongues. Well, they just left out the last part of the sentence. Unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. Again, if you want to build up those around you, there's got to be some understanding. If you want to build up yourself, I don't have to have the understanding because I'm building up my spirit. I'm not building up my flesh. If you want to build up your flesh, get a gym membership, 
or go buy one of those things on a, from the, the go buy an ab roller from an infomercial or one of those pull-up bars that does 30 different things or whatever. That's how you build up your flesh. But if you want to build up your spirit, you're literally working out spiritually by speaking in tongues. Okay? You're building yourself up. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive education, uh, uh, edification. Edification, strengthening. And so we see here that we've got several benefits, several privileges that we get to uh, operate in as a result of receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, speaking in tongues, we see here, obviously, was an initial sign. It was an initial sign for the believer. But go over to Acts chapter 4. Go over to Acts chapter 4. I believe that the greatest way to identify something wrong is to show somebody right. I don't have to argue the wrong. I can just show you the right, and you can see the difference. You can receive clarity. I, I remember when, um, you know, I worked at a bank. You know, we had an issue with counterfeit money. And the way that they taught us to identify counterfeit is by giving us all the good stuff. And they would give us all, you know, the hundreds and the fifties and the twenties, and, and then they would throw in, you know, one that was counterfeit, and we were, able to, we were able to, they didn't have to go over, you know, how it was counterfeit. I mean, you could feel it. You could look at it. Things were out of place. Markings weren't there that was supposed to be there. It was identifiable. It was easy to identify. Why? Because we got so used to seeing the good stuff. Okay? It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. If we just teach right on the Holy Spirit, but see, so many pastors don't want to do that anymore. They just want to throw it out altogether. And I, and I said this last week. I would rather be in a service where God moved, God demonstrated, God manifested himself in service. And maybe somebody gets out of line. than be in a service where nobody gets out of line, but God never moves. I would rather have a lot of God and a little bit of issue a little bit of something incorrect than being in a service where there's no God, but yet nobody got out of line, nobody was embarrassed, nobody had any issues. And the Holy Spirit's not out to embarrass people either. That's why we got to teach on this stuff. Because we're not going to, this is not going to be a church that just doesn't preach it and doesn't operate in it and doesn't believe in it. If the Holy Spirit wants to move, he'll move. And we're going to allow him to. That's just the bottom line. And I'd rather just teach on it and and make it correct so we can see it clearly, then just throw it out altogether. And so in Acts chapter 4, we already know two chapters earlier, all the disciples get together, 120 in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues. And first of all, I notice it says the word began. It doesn't say that it ended. There was a beginning to this thing. But look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Now, let me, let, me, let me just give you some background here real quick. The disciples go out. Uh, Peter and John go to the temple. And at the gate there, there was a lame man. 
And, you know, this guy's looking for alms. This guy's looking for someone to help him, you know, financially. And Peter and John, we know the story, says, silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, I've got something. Such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the guy get up and he walk, gets up and he uh, uh, walks and he's jumping and leaping and praising God and goes into the temple with him. And, you know, we, we think, wow, you know, what a damn, what a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We're seeing this awesome thing. People must have just been blown away. But that actually got people in an uproar because they just got rid of Jesus who was doing all this stuff. And now Jesus has disciples that are doing it because that was the whole point. And so uh, they, you know, take them to the government and the government threatens to beat them and throw them into jail. And they say, look, we're going to let you go, but you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And they say, well, sorry, guys. That's something we can't do. We have to preach in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And they went back, the, the Bible says, that they went back to their own company. They began to pray together. And it says the whole house where they were assembled was shaken. And then it says this in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. I thought just two chapters earlier they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But what this shows us is that this is a continual, this is a daily thing. This wasn't just a one-time deal. This wasn't just, I got it, I don't have to go, I don't have to do this anymore. There is a continual infilling of the Holy Spirit that this is to be a daily practice. See, I believe the Word of God is practical. I don't believe it just has to all be theology and and doctrine and stuff that's over our head. I believe that the Bible is practical. What does that mean? That means I can practice it. And practice is something you do regularly. It's something you do all the time. In fact, you'll find that you practice more than you do it. You'll have several rehearsals before you get to the show. You'll have several uh, days of practice before you get to actually playing games. You ask an athlete, they practice multiple times. I mean, they have practice camps where all they do is just practice. Practice what? The fundamentals, just going over stuff. And the Bible is to be practiced. The Bible is to be lived out. And and the disciples here are filled with the Holy Spirit again. Over in Ephesians chapter 5. Over in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with uh, verse 17, it says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking, uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Going back up to verse 18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is uh, dissipation or excess, uh, but be filled with the Spirit. The actual Greek translation is a continual filling. The actual translation is be being filled. 
being filled continually. We should always keep ourselves full of the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples were in a, in a habit, in a practice of being filled with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill them once again. And so speaking in tongues, that's not just a, 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 a once a week thing. That's not just a church thing. It's a daily thing. And you ought to take time to pray in tongues daily. Just take time to pray in tongues. Just as you take time to pray in English, you ought to take time to pray in the unknown language, in an unknown tongue. Daily. Make a regular occurrence of it, of strengthening yourself and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I believe uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, speaks in the same line. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs. Now, spiritual songs, that can mean songs that just come up to you where you don't have words. It's not already been scripted out, but that can also mean singing in the spirit. You can sing in the spirit. In tongues. Singing and praising God. Uh, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul tells us that we can give thanks. In tongues. And so we see here that it's a continual reoccurrence. In our life. It's not just a one time deal. It's not just I came down the altar. I received the Holy Spirit with the evidence speaking in tongues. And then I never exercised it again. It's something that we practice on a regular basis. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're just teaching here. This is almost like school. We're just showing you line upon line the Holy Spirit and the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues. Romans chapter 8. 8, verse 26. We're actually going to read on down through verse 27. 26, verse 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. What are our weaknesses? Where am I weak? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Where are you weak? You're weakest where you don't know. You're weak in what you don't know. So the Spirit helps. Remember, he's the helper. Remember, Jesus himself called the Holy Spirit the helper, the comforter, the advocate. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but... The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that term cannot be uttered doesn't mean silence. doesn't mean I'm quiet. It means it cannot be put in human words. Now, theologians and, and you know, people that look at doctrine, they see this verse a few different ways. But it simply means that the Holy Spirit himself within you is praying through you 
and for you. And you're, again, yielding to the Holy Spirit. And so here's the next benefit of uh, praying in tongues is you can pray for things that you don't know about. You can pray for things that you don't have an understanding about. And again, I've told you several instances and told you before of, of people that I know and even opportunities that I've had in my life to feel an unction to pray in the spirit. And that word unction, that's not a super spiritual word either. That just means a compelling. You're feeling something on the inside saying, do this. That's how the Holy Spirit moves. It's, it comes from the inside. It's not, it's not an outside thing. There's people that have heard the audible voice of God. But nine times out of ten, the way, the Holy, the way God is going to speak to his people is from the inside through his Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit will give you an unction to pray, and you'll end up praying for something. And you don't know what you're praying about, but you're praying for something. You're making war, the Bible says. And you, some of you may remember the, the story of Daniel. And he prayed for 21 days. And God told him, the, the, second, the first day you prayed, I already sent the angel. And it took him 21 days to get to you. He had to war and to battle through some things just to get to the scenario, get to the situation. And so when we pray in the spirit, we're making things happen in the spirit that then affect or change things in the natural. See, our lives are not just all natural. If it were, then God would reveal to you what needs to be prayed for all the time. But there are times where you'll feel a compelling or an unction on the inside to just pray in the spirit and you're praying and you don't even know. And God may show you and God may not show you. But just know that you just made war. You just made something happen in the spirit. Amen. And so we see here that praying in the spirit, praying in tongues helps us pray for things that we don't know about. Now, look at verse 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The next benefit is you pray the perfect prayer when you pray in tongues. I know there's been times in my life that I've prayed for something and, 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 I, and I've even had to stop myself and wonder, am I praying the will of God? Am I praying what I need to be praying for here? Do I need to be praying a different prayer? But the Holy Spirit will pray for you according to the will of God. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not going to say anything that the Father is not already saying. And so we see here that another benefit of praying in tongues is we pray out the perfect will, the perfect prayer that God has. Amen. So now you can pray directly in line for something. Okay? Amen. Now I want to go over to the the last one, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14, 16 and 17. The last benefit that I have for you. I want you to see the benefits. Again, 
you know, we don't want to do things that waste time. Nobody likes wasting time. Nobody likes doing things that are ineffective. Nobody likes doing things that don't produce results. But I hope that you've seen here today that there are several benefits of praying in tongues that every believer needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and they benefit our lives. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, another than who? Than himself, Jesus. He says, I'm going to send you a helper that does what I've, what I've done. The same as me. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. God wants us to know the Holy Spirit. It does not say, but you know about the Holy Spirit. It says that you know the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The last and final benefit that I have for you as a result of praying in tongues is you have a greater acknowledgement and revelation of the Holy Spirit's work in you. You get to know and get to recognize the Holy Spirit in a deeper way as a result of praying in tongues. Why? Because you're yielding to the spiritual side. And now you're in reliance and dependence upon the Holy Spirit working in your life. I'm relying upon the Holy Spirit operating in my life when I'm praying in tongues, because when I'm praying in tongues, I'm giving myself to that side. I'm giving myself to the spirit man on the inside of me. And now I'm yielding myself to the operation of the Holy Spirit in my life. It's not just up to me. I can tell you right now, if you make a regular occurrence, a daily habit of praying in tongues, you will have a greater recognition of the Holy Spirit moving and operating in your life. And on top of that, you will recognize him when he speaks to you. Because we've already seen that the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. But when you speak his language, when you speak in tongues, when you pray in tongues, you're yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. And so there are benefits, guys. There are times where we need to yield to the working and the moving and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our life. And by praying in tongues, we are giving ourselves to that. By praying in tongues, we are seeing the Holy Spirit in operation. Guys, we, we have to become more clued in on this. We have to make more of a priority and give more value to the Holy Spirit in our life. More than we have, more than we do, more than we ought to. There is more that we can do. You know, I, I hear a lot of people say, I just want to go deeper. I want to go deeper in my walk with God. I want to go deeper in, uh, uh, you know, knowing about God and learning about God. Guys, you can't get any deeper than praying in tongues. You can't get any deeper than praying in the Holy Spirit. You can't get any deeper than yielding yourself on the spirit man on the inside, yielding himself to God's spirit. Amen. That's our direct connection. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you 
for the operation, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I thank you that there is a desire built up within us. You said pursue love, desire spiritual gifts. Father, we have a desire within ourselves to give ourselves, to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you continue to make it clear to us, continue to bring clarity to us in the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Father, as we begin to hear, as we begin to grow, as we begin to learn these truths, Father, I thank you that we will begin to desire those gifts in our own lives, in our own personal lives. There's so much that you want us to know. There's so much that you want us to see. And Father, I thank you that you open our eyes to that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you would, uh, if you need an offering envelope, our ushers are beginning to move now to get you one. Just raise your